There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back with you for for another week, another great show. I'm going to be talking today uh, to Libby Wagner. I'm delighted to have her back. We're going to be talking about the grandest adventure, adapting to the new business world. And we'll hear some stories, some tales uh, from uh, Libby's traveling and integrating that into um, talking about uh, how we must adapt our businesses to the to the unusual new world that we find ourselves in. Uh, now, just before I introduce you to Libby, I want to say a big thank you to my guest last week. I had Dr. Stephen Levinson. Uh, Stephen and I uh, co-wrote a book, The Power to Get Things Done, Whether You Feel Like It or Not, which was launched right at the end of 2015. And it was just great to get back together with Stephen again and, and talk about uh, his views about the, about the book and getting things done. He's a clinical psychologist uh, in, in his background. And, and uh, to hear you know, how he was even more kind of wedded to the importance now of, uh, of us all getting clear about our intentions, you know, developing worthy, worthy intentions and developing strategies to make sure that we follow them through whether we feel like it or not. Uh, so we explored that last week. There was some uh, further insight, I think, um, and further learning since we wrote the book. So if you're wanting to work out uh, how are you going to move things forward, uh, then do listen to that interview. Uh, so to today, uh, it's, a, it's a strange um, world at the moment, isn't it? You've probably been, well, you've all been like uh, us, um, had to work your way through, you know, COVID lockdowns and there's all sorts going on with political divisions and unsettling media reports and you know, economic turmoil and issues across the globe, it feels. And therefore, um, I thought it'd be great to catch up with Libby again. It's been a few years since Libby's been on the show. And, and Libby's got a you know, brilliant way about her. She's, um, she's very poetic. She's um, really recognized for, for her poetry, but also her business work and how she integrates it together. And what I found was really fascinating in, in chatting with Libby is she chose to take a sabbatical and she ended up going on a grand adventure on her own across the United States by camper van to reflect on what was really going on across the world and whether she needed to adapt her own beliefs and, and whether she needed to help her clients to adapt their own her, their beliefs to things like hybrid working, for example. Now, Libby is the author of Amazon bestseller, The Influencing Option, The Art of Building a Profit Culture in Business. And, uh, and I've the book I've interviewed on, her on before, which was fascinating. What will you do with your 90,000 hours? Um, she's also the boardroom poets thoughts on work and three collections of poet poems sorry and she works with executives to create dramatic memorable impacts so they can confidently lead their organizations on adventures towards innovative horizons so let's talk about um, about how uh, Libby's impacted her clients during this interview and building great cultures today uh, and let's um, have a think have a think about whether you need to challenge your own thinking and come up with some 
new solutions to enable you to move your business forward and your life forward. So big, big welcome. Great to have you back on the show, Libby Wagner. Oh my gosh, Chris, I'm so happy to be here. You are one of my favorite people to have a robust and meandering conversation with. And so um, delighted, delighted to be here. So thank you so much. Fantastic, I think. Robust and meandering. I like the sound of that. <laughs> <laughs> let's do some, um, let's have some robustness and let's do some meandering this afternoon. That'll be brilliant. So how, how are you? How have you, how have you been? I think it must be maybe three years since you've been on the show it's it's well I, I was just saying that there's like a COVID gap or something right like you think you did that thing just last year and then you say oh no that was 2019 <laughs> that was 2018 you know yeah. and so uh yeah it's been a few years I think maybe the last time I was here was with my studio colleagues uh Stephen Morris and uh Owen O'Sullivan um but uh but yeah it's been a, it's been a while and I'm doing well I am uh, working with my clients and um, and being curious about the world. That's that's probably the short version of how am I? Yeah, yeah. It's um, a lot to get curious about, isn't there? <laughs> there you're... is a lot. There is a lot to get curious about. Yes, yes. And you're 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 based. You live in Seattle. I live in Seattle, and it's funny, you know. I I can actually say I live in Seattle now because before the pandemic. People would say, well, where, you know, where are you from? And I would say, I have a house in Seattle because I was hardly ever here. I traveled probably about 50% of the time, uh, both uh, in the United States and internationally. And, um, and then in uh, March, 2020, I was flying home from, from Dallas, Texas, not realizing that uh, Seattle was actually the epicenter of the COVID virus at that point. Um, and, and in about 10 days, my entire calendar just emptied out, just stopped. Mm, I can remember those days myself and the mm -hmm. same thing happening to me. And it's just, it's, it's strange, isn't it? When you've got a, a you know, direction that you're traveling on and everything seems clear and your, your diary is organized, then just suddenly it's just, it's just wiped clean. I remember having a chat with a client about two or three weeks before um, the the whole thing really took off and so my dog seems to be um having a wolf next door which is a bit unusual um <laughs> but but um uh, he i sought him out in the break um but he um we, we were just saying he was we we're chatting about this um this pandemic i said are you prepared that you might need to close your office at some point and have people work from home and he was like oh no that's never going to happen chris are you sure and i said i've got a funny feeling i think i think you're gonna have to at least consider it and then mm -hmm. i went away feeling guilty that i'd um made him made him panic a bit really uh, and uh, and then went back to him a few days later and had another chat about it with him but uh, to see he was okay but the following week everybody was going home yeah yeah well certainly you know companies i work with who had struggled um you know over years with their employees asking for you know flex time or you know work from home options and things like that and you know they had a solid story about nope we get our work done and we collaborate and we need to be in person and we're more creative that way and we need to see one another and and um and we were forced actually to rethink the way that we did most everything i mean at work and at home too but um but yeah and so so you know just like your you know your friend um so many businesses had to say uh okay i was wrong about that 
yeah yeah it's a lot of lot lot of um learning and rethinking and, and what I, one thing i found very you know fascinating in our conversation a couple of weeks ago was uh, that you did take some time out didn't you you took a sabbatical to really think about this and think about what does this really mean so um what you know tell us you you, you did a solo campervan trip across the us i mean when most people were probably in hiding what, what was that about i did you know uh so I've always loved the outdoors. I was a backpacker for like 25 years, which, you know, means you carry everything and then sleep on the ground and, and all of that. And um, I still like the romantic notion of that, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, uh, I, I, um, I bought a camper van and I mean, like everyone else in the world, right. Who could do such a thing. But, um, but I, I'd always kind of, I've always kind of wanted one and, and, um, and I, but I would say to myself, Libby, when are you going to use that? Like, you're never going to use that. So, you know, there's no point, but, um, but I finally did it. And then I decided that I wanted to drive across the country, the United States. And, uh, it's a big country. It's a big one. And I mean, not compared mm. to like China or something, mm. but you know, it's a pretty big country. And, uh, and, um, I mapped out my route and I got ready to go. I, I have this, it's a red uh, uh, Winnebago Travato, which doesn't mean anything really, but she has a name. Her name is Roxanne. I've never named a vehicle in my life. And uh, so, you know, we had to sort of like kick off almost every day with a, with a police song, you know, <laughs> and, um, and I, I wanted to see, I, I don't know what it was, Chris. I I wanted to journey across the U.S. I had a destination in mind. I wanted to see some friends in upstate New York. And, you know, for those who might might or might not be familiar with the geography of the U.S. So I live in Seattle, Washington, which is in the upper left-hand corner. And Western New York is in the upper right-hand corner. So I decided to go across, um, you know, all of those states in the middle. And, um, you know, sometimes people call the middle of the United States the flyover states, you know, mm -hmm. because everyone's trying to quickly get from the East Coast to the West Coast or back. And, um, and there's a lot of space there, very spacious. And, um, and I wanted time, you know, I think when you're a busy leader, executive business owner, you know, you often don't have what I like to call time to follow a thought all the way to the end. And so, um, so I, I know for the leaders I work with, I'm regularly um, recommending them take time to take time like that. And I hadn't done it, you know, I, and it's interesting, you know, I would say three executives, like C-level executives, and I know over the last few years took a sabbatical, requested a sabbatical in a company that had never granted sabbaticals before and americans frankly aren't that great at sabbaticals i mm. i really think europeans and and people in other places have a much better um behavior about taking time off at least that's my romantic notion of what you all do um but americans are not great at it and so the idea of even asking for a sabbatical inside an organization totally wild and of course the good news and the bad news of being an entrepreneur is like i get to say yes and no to myself right and, uh, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I blocked off time on my calendar uh, early in the year. And the closer I got to it, Chris, I kept saying, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can, you know what, I, I've got clients, I've got this, I've got this, I've got responsibilities, you know, but I just kept holding that 
time as sacred. And then finally about, you know, four or five weeks before I was supposed to actually leave, I thought, all right, I, I'm going to do this and I'm going to plan for it. And so I did. Great. And you, you went on your own, which... Uh... I was on my own, yes. Yeah. And it's so funny because people are saying, you you went by yourself? You went, Oh, that's so courageous. And I was like, is it? Because Because I for my business life, I was always traveling alone, right? I was getting on a plane and flying across the world to go, you know, spend time with clients. And, you know, I tried a long time ago to treat myself well when I traveled. And so I might take an extra day and do some sightseeing or visit friends. And so it just wasn't that big a deal to me, Mm. but certainly I wasn't sleeping in the middle of cornfields on those trips. So, (laughs) so I really, I mean, there were times when I was utterly completely alone. Mm. And, and you, you yeah. used the time to do a lot of writing and, and reflecting, didn't you? And uh, you, you mentioned to me uh, that you'd, you'd written a piece when you were in that uh, area where that people tend to fly over, which was Nebraska. Right. And, uh, uh, which I, I think probably some learning in that piece uh, for us all. So I'd lo- love to yeah. hear that. If you've got the time to share that. Yeah, that absolutely. I'd love, I'd love to share that. And so, so this little piece I wrote every day as I was going and I w- wanted to write about my internal observations and my external observations. And so this piece is uh, written, um, I call it outside Valentine, Nebraska. And uh, there are some actually some very famous writers um, you know, from the Midwest, and, and for any any of you um, liter- literary folks or people who are interested in those kinds of things. And so that's kind of where I begin with this particular piece. I can see why the infinity of cornfields could make a poet of you. All that space, careful listening, the black sky, and the way the infinitesimal bug creates a sharp, quick pain. I can imagine why this landscape delivers I've been infatuated with small towns forever. I've lived in a few, and I regularly fantasize of becoming that mysterious, eccentric woman who finds the perfect cottage on the edge of town, the one who waves from her garden but doesn't divulge her stories, even though any passerby knows she's got them. I drive by Why Not and Lawton, hands down the best town, and all the front porches with their pumpkins and corn stalks and Halloween harvest decorations. You just know there's a box in the garage or the shed with all the other seasons waiting and American flags and pickup trucks and signs for corn mazes and haunted train rides. And last night, a man who tells me all about paddlefish in the Missouri River and hard to come by permits and how they're only elsewhere in China. His wife strings twinkle lights on the trailer awning and waits with her small dogs walking along the river while he fishes. I notice how mostly in every small town there is a Dollar General with its bright yellow sign just down the street from a boarded up shop or store or cafe. I didn't drive by 17,266 of these, but it feels like it. That CEO makes $16 million per year and a small town store manager will take home 34,284. This makes me wanna spend a lot more days driving these back roads stopping at the sign for the flakiest pie crust or the friendliest cup of coffee and the 4-H bake sale, because I know they are likely going to be gone my next time through. Recently, a friend said of the glacier disappearing on Mount Rainier, things just change. And I feel like I should write only about that one sentence forever. 
Driving along these long stretches of deserted roads in Iowa and Nebraska, no hyperbole here. I could go for hours without one other vehicle. I think back to the black horse-drawn buggies in Ohio, the neatly dressed families all crowded in, the bearded husbands. I confess to searching how to become a Mennonite, which for me had some drawbacks that probably cannot be overcome by the seductive lure of simplicity. And it's easy to see how it's hard for the issues of urban dwellers to garner much empathy out here. And I suspect the other way around. We don't know each other. There's a big rig parked about 10 spots from me. They've settled in. There's a flower festoon name sign, a portable flagpole, a variety of camp chairs, tablecloths, grills, even a smoker. One flag says, Veterans for Trump. And I've ridden my bike back and forth, trying not to be creepy, wondering if I have the skill and patience to just stop and ask. Remembering recently an uncharacteristic emotional conversation with my United States Air Force retired Lieutenant Colonel father about 28 years and peace is our profession and the pain of Afghanistan and the regret of Vietnam. But I don't stop. I feel afraid. And that makes me feel a little ashamed because it's highly likely that I most recently slept under their big starry sky, listened to their rooster in the dawn light, parked next to their fourth generation farm. I wish I had a wise and wonderful answer. I'm one small, mostly unimportant person driving a red van across an enormous expanse of land. Right as I was ready to go, the camp host Shane drove up in his golf cart and asked me if he missed breakfast. Oh, I'm afraid you did, I laughed. And we, and no one in the Midwest has ever rushed me, ever even acted like they had anything to do other than talk to me. We talked about the fisherman on the river, his duties, his old job as an Army National Guardsman, his kids, his wife, Roxanne. He, like Mike Delaney in Iowa with his prize-winning alpaca, said that, all, said that what he liked most about seeing the campers come and go was a renewed faith in people from all over. How different people actually are from the ways that we are told they are. Now I'm finishing this up from Western Nebraska. I drove across the whole state listening to Steinbeck's travels with Charlie and thinking of Ted Couser's poems. It's another cornfield night. The horses up on the small hill from the vineyard, the flies buzzing near Roxanne's screen door, combines in the fields across the road. I don't know what to make of all of this, but I'm going to try to notice all the small, beautiful things and believe in kindness and love. I still believe in love. Turning north tomorrow, home soon. Wow. Wow. It's beautiful. Um, Thank you. And takes me back takes me back to a trip i did across some america many years ago as as well takes me um into some memories um i think you know i, I sensed uh you know slight mel melancholiness in there um but some hope at the end um but the message i really took from that was um you talked about the renewed faith in in how people are versus how you've been told they are mm -hmm. um that feels very significant yeah well i think that you know one of the things that happened at least for me i think for many people during the the quarantine and the pandemic time was that we were connected by 
technology because we couldn't see each other otherwise. And so, you know, for better or for worse, we were listening and watching and and then there was and then and then there was all kinds of political upheaval, you know, especially, you know, in my country, but all over the world, really. And so I think, you know, especially what's challenging and hard in the United States right now is to um, is to watch people not care about each other and to have stories about each other that may or may not be true. And I, I don't think we're unique. I think it's happening everywhere. You just look at, you know, the war in, in, in Europe right now. And, and I, I think that, you know, like it would be a shame, Chris, if we didn't learn from what had happened over the last few years, if we didn't really take the opportunity to listen deeply and connect about what's what's human about us. And I feel like the tumult that we're in right now, whether it's, you know, personally, politically, business, it's it's an opportunity for us to connect with that mm. or not. Yeah. And and so in a way it is melancholy, but I I also feel like, you know, we get to choose. We get to say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to turn away from that sensationalized story of people I don't know and and what else what else is mine to do in 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 here and in this I think I think we have to we've sort of talked about this before on the show but it's a little bit like you know we the us, us kind of normal people um at the end of the day we want to we want to have a, a house you know a home over our heads be able to feed ourselves look after our, our children our partners maybe have a holiday, maybe have a car, but get on with our neighbors. And, uh, mm-hmm. a, and most people feel a sense of, want to feel a sense of love and connection. Um, but at the moment, it's, uh, it's other people who are shaking the bottle that we, that we are within, aren't we? Which is, mm-hmm. which is creating the turmoil, um, mm-hmm. ideology, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and often false truths. Mm-hmm. Um, and that leaves us feeling very, quite vulnerable i think and divided mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but maybe we need a groundswell of uh, us, us normal folks to uh, mm-hmm. um to come together and realize and not not be fooled mm-hmm. perhaps yeah absolutely i i mean isn't it interesting how i mean i feel like we, we you know on the one hand you know we we have been connected with with one another across the world and on the other hand at least for me anyway my world got also more intimate and more and smaller mm. you know where i could make those connections i i think i shared with you that you know my neighbors and i we we knew each other to say hello maybe you know maybe have a happy hour every 6 months but we actually began cooking for each other we would cook and send each other a little text curries on the front porch we would drop oh, off nice. these little packages mm. and we'd still continue to this day now that would not have happened you know it just wouldn't have happened you know if we hadn't been sort of like locked in our homes yeah. and and feeling that you know that isolation and 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 you know seattle's a friendly town but we're not like they actually talk about something called seattle nice which is kind of like distant and so you know, it's not like the southern part of the U.S. where everyone's your neighbor and you're helping everybody. But I mean, people, I know my neighbors now. And wow, if I can get to know my neighbors, could I get to know other people that mm. I might feel different from? I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. I think there's a reminder there, isn't there, for us all just to uh, to get to know our neighbors and uh, 
and, and connect more. And, and it did feel like it. Uh, we, we certainly felt that with uh, with the pandemic, with people helping each other, who those who've got COVID and dropping things off and picking up prescriptions, yeah. offering to offering to help, which was uh, which was which was good. And even in even in the workplaces, see, I, I I talk to people about this still now. You know, like like we had that false dichotomy of I have a home life and I have a work life. You know, mm. I, I I leave my home and I become this one person, and then I come home and I you know I, I change out of that outfit. And but through Zoom and other kinds of things, like we were like in people's closets and garages, and you know, like anywhere they could you know sit to have you know a video conference and try to work from home and then you know they're homeschooling their kids upstairs and their dogs barking at you know like now that doesn't seem like a big deal but it was a big deal at the time but we could no longer ignore the fact that whole human beings work for us yeah and and i feel like that like it would be a shame to again to to give that up to try to go to back to business as usual mm. you know because all the research shows that when we actually look at the whole human being the whole human being performs better and is more engaged and all those things but but we 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 get caught up in it and we ignore it and yeah and and do you, we've got just got uh, about three minutes to commercial mm -hmm. break now but uh, do you do you think that out of this experience that is that is one thing where perhaps our perceptions need to change our, our our viewpoints need to change because you know we we're hearing of you know the, the great resignation um mm -hmm. i'm certainly been in my clients there there's, there's there's turmoil as to whether do we allow people to work from home partly we can compromise our culture if we're not, not together in one space but uh, mm -hmm. uh some people are then leaving because to go somewhere else for a different job because they have that flexibility and uh mm -hmm um do, do we need to change our perceptions as a if, if we're leaders and running businesses now has this uh are we past a point of no return if it's all being in the office i mean i think that i don't think there's ever going to be um a complete um shift into we never need to see each other um we never need to be together but I think we could think of it as an expansiveness and that leaders and businesses need to look at, you know, ways that they've done things in the past. I mean, like they were forced to say, oh, that's not actually 100% true, is it? That story we've had about how we do our business and how our customers and clients interact with us and what people want. And oh, that's actually not 100% true. And so I do think we need to shift our perspective, but what, where we are right now, which I think is really uncomfortable, is we don't yet have the language for how to talk about it with each other. And in a way that we can come up with the creative solutions and ideas that will take us to whatever this next threshold is. Mm. That's, that's an interesting thought that we don't have the language to talk about it yet it's too it's it's messy still it and messy so still. we either revert to old language or we revert to, we revert to you know really binary thinking either or and of course that leads us into all sorts of terrible places in every uh, environment the either the either or conversation yeah. um and and the yeah the the distance we create between one another yeah yeah and it's well We'll go commercial break in a minute, but I've uh, it's it's really quite interesting, and where I've seen 
some of my clients who tried to be tried to be kind of flexible is it still ends up with you know looking at a scenario somebody's maybe got young children and they've got to get them to school and it's uh, uh, challenges maybe there's health issues and etc um and more flexibility is allowed but for those who don't have young children they, they feel aggrieved because um, mm. you know um why, why can't i have the flexibility as well i can work well from home you know do i have to have children to uh to be allowed yeah. to, so it it's it's stirred up other emotions even when it flexibility did. is allowed you know yeah it absolutely did and and um yeah and i know i know i know we need to break but i i think that's that's part of it it's like we there are many things we haven't talked about yet which means we have not ev ev um evolved our language to do that yeah with your, with your solutions well we're going to go to commercial break now and after the break we'll talk a bit more about hybrid working and then we'll talk about other maybe other components of culture that we need to really think about now as the the world has has changed um yeah. and uh behavior is changing and uh, uh i don't know just the, the the environment seems different and we but we've all got to adapt haven't we and we we need to move forward and really positively and uh great opportunities. We'll be back again in just a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Libby Wagner. We're talking about, um, about the grandest adventure. And I think what we mean by that is uh, you know, life is an adventure, isn't it? Uh, and... Um, and Libby had an adventure. She had an adventure traveling across uh, the United States to kind of reflect about how we how we need to adapt to this new 
new business world. And we talked a bit about, about hybrid working and uh, we talked about um, the whole person now we need to really think about them. I mean, any, any more sort of perceptions on that hybrid working before we move on to something else? You know, did you come, have you come to any conclusions with your clients about the best way to, to handle this and talk about it and move it forward? Well, I, you know, um, it's a great question. Again, I think it's, it's an evolving question, but I, you know, one of the things even, you know, be, prior to our experience with, you know, many, many companies sort of being forced to, to pivot their businesses and, and, you know, work from home and, and, and be more flexible. Um, you know, I work with companies and we talk about creating performance cultures and, um, you know, we have a model for working that was impacted by the industrial revolution. And that was that we had certain working hours and certain things happened during those hours. And, you were supposed to do the things that you were doing within those hours. And so therefore we have hourly wages and like, like we have this whole construct that really, if you think about it, isn't that useful in a modern world, you know, because there are some things that actually, um, and, you know, I mean, I think this is, you know, in the consulting world, this is value-based fees and, you know, other kinds of things where we say, okay, here's the, here's the goal we agree on. Here's the outcome we want. All right. Well, you know, and, and, and all kinds of industries are trying to like predict how long it will take to get to the outcome. And then they're going to charge you per hour on how you get there. And, and I, you know, and the idea really is that like, it's not actually really ethical, you know, because, because Chris, if I say to you, if you're my client and I say, okay, Chris, you know, okay, we've got our goal clear. And now the only way I'm going to, you know, increase my revenue and make more money is if I take longer to get to the goal. Hmm. And that's not really in your best interest for me to take longer to get to the goal. So the reason I'm like sort of giving this little like <laughs> history philosophy about it is because if you think about a, a pure performance culture then what would happen is we would say all right here here's the goal we've all we're all clear on that and maybe even we have a deadline you know in the future but like the way that we get there should be a place where we can be creative and innovative and flexible and curious and questioning because because I don't believe that, you know, the most innovative, creative ways of getting to things happen during the hours of eight and four. What if mm. they don't, you know, what mm. if, what if they need more than a 10 minute or a half an hour lunch break, you know, and, and there are modern companies that have been doing that kind of thing, right. That have been like kind of bending the lines of, you know, what does a work day look like and things like that. So when you look at the hybrid workplace and the opportunity that we've had in the past couple of years to, you know, press against our ideas of what we thought our businesses could do and should do, I think that we should think about, well, what's the ultimate performance of my business? What are the outcomes and the results that I want? And what are the many pathways to get there? Yeah. And, you know, I used to say to my clients when we would get ready to work on something, and this metaphor makes more sense, you know, in the U.S., but, you know, you could say you could just substitute New York for London, right? Like I live in Seattle and if you say to me as my client, hey, I want to go to New York and we agree we're going to New York. There's like 17 ways to get there. You know, we can drive a camper van, we can take an airplane, we could rollerblade, but there's all these different ways to get there. But we do need to be clear on what the destination is. Mm. And so I think that 
you know, one of the opportunities we have in terms of looking at our workplace and shifting our mindset about how we get things done is what if we what if we let go of the things that we inherited from the industrial revolution about what a workplace is we let go now maybe not everything but we let go of many of the things right that have to do with that and we said all right well if we can agree upon the outcome and the time frame well what if we allow people to be creative in the way they get there yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people have found by allowing people to allowing, right? But, you know, getting, you know, experiencing people working from home. And I think there was even an article in the Harvard Business Review, which, you know, we think they always tell the truth in the Harvard Business Review, right? But anyway, they, um, they said that people are actually more productive when they work from home than when they, you know, when they work in the office. And I mean, I had some clients who were like, how am I going to know what they're doing? How am I going to know if they're not like, going out to the deck or taking the dog for a walk. And I was like, yeah, how are you not going to know that? Like, does that matter? Yeah, does it yeah. matter if the goal that you've set is fulfilled, if they show up for the meeting they need? Like, does it matter? But see, we really have this mindset that work happens in a particular way at a particular time, et cetera. As you can see, I get excited about this. I'm going on and on. Yeah, I, I, think, I think sometimes what happens too, and I've seen this because like you, I, I do work around cult culture with clients and I've seen sometimes yeah, there are people who who this really works for and they they've, they've got travel time that they don't have anymore they may start start earlier they might finish longer they work uh, they work really well they might go and take the dog for a walk which is great because it's good for your kind of well-being however what I've also seen is the kind of attitude um oh there's, there's you know there's one person who's abused it and then and then the rule um, starts, or we all need to come back because it's been, you know, there's been examples of abuse. Well, it might actually only be, you know, two or three percent, but you're making the rule based upon two or three percent who maybe need, right. you know, need managing right. and helping um, right. rather exactly. than 97, you know, and then you cut your nose off to spite your face if to say. Right. And... Absolutely. And I think that, you know, I mean, I, I have some, I was just talking with a client, a coaching client the other day about, you know, like, like how to adapt this idea to to that particular workplace and there are some jobs because we have like for example we have hours where we are open right like maybe your business hours where, where your clients or your customers can call you is you know 9 a.m to 6 p.m or something like mm. that right and so what you hope is that if your client reaches out to you during that time they could talk to a person which kind of, kind of seems novel these days right like i'd like to talk to a person you know yeah. instead of emailing someone or whatever but but you know so i think for now anyway we you know those those jobs those particular jobs of like receptionist or you know something like that um i love how ken blanch the ken blanchard company calls that the director of first impressions i, yeah. I think that's a great business yeah. title but anyway um you know those people you know they need to work from x hour to x hour because those are our quote open hours but now we have this like online thing where people are like doing business at all times of the day in all parts of the world and again not for every business but um i just yeah i think you know you mentioned the exceptions and the people who might abuse it but you know oh i don't know if i want to i want to go down this road anyway um you know like unions are important for very particular reasons but now i'm gonna say something that irritates people unions happen because people didn't talk to each other and didn't respect each other and so because people didn't feel like they could talk to management or management couldn't negotiate with 
you know, the, the workers, you know, we, we created things, we created structures and contracts and things to try to support and protect people. And again, I'm not anti-union at all, but if I look at it from a cultural perspective, it's like, well, what if we got together and we tried to figure out something that could actually work for all those who are involved? Those are not easy conversations, but they're not impossible. And I think when we think about just, you know, hybrid things, working from home, figuring out, like, isn't that all rooted in this idea that we could come from a foundation of trust, that we would agree upon certain things, like the outcome that's desired or the pathway or the way we're going to treat each other. And then we could have those whole human beings showing up to work who are able to have lives that are fulfilling and balanced and yeah and and all the other things that come with it i mean yeah I'm just, i'll stop i'll stop yeah, talking yeah, so, I, you, I, <laughs> so you can respond <laughs> let me thinking about i i have done actually did uh, a couple of weeks ago i did six focus groups with a company looking at um how culture could be improved with their, their staff and um and just one one thing that was interesting that came up a few times is four day working um now that that's quite interesting because a lot of people would say my, my answer to that was you know do you think you'd be more productive with working four days and they couldn't really answer the question actually uh but you know there is some lines of argument saying if people are more refreshed and and there's a there's a, a better balance in those four days they will get more done um and i have to say i'm considering it for myself i highly recommend it yeah you know, yeah. And I, you know, well, I mean, so here's the thing, you know, not everyone and I acknowledge my place of privilege in this, right? Not everyone uh, can can be an entrepreneur who sets their own work hours. And but I would say to you that that's good news and bad news, right? I mean, when I came home in March of 2020 and everything kind of I don't know, I don't know if blow up's the right, right metaphor there, but like cracked open. How about that? And I, and I, ha I had this arc of realization about my work. I thought first I was like, oh, okay. I might not have to fly every place and mm. show up in person. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll just show up for special occasions. Mm. And then I was like, oh, maybe I only go if I really want to. Yeah. You know, and, and so because prior to that, and I think I shared this with you, you know, I was in I was in Manhattan in November of 2019 doing a salon and I love my work. I love my work. And I could not figure out how to not be exhausted by it. Yeah. And I, I think that's true for so many people, like because we don't have the habits, really the habits of caring for ourselves and also showing up to work and doing work that we that's that is satisfying and fulfilling yeah um and i actually think sometimes you know people in you know less industrialized companies get it better than those of us who bought into that whole relationship with work that is like it's the most important thing yeah I don't, I don't know how long it's going to take us to get out from under that, but I think we have the opportunity to, and it would be a shame if we ignored it. Because it's quite, this, I think this is very interesting in 
in, in, and I, you know, I can relate to this having been in a corporate background and worked in some very intense situations um, and maybe with your, your background too, Libby, is that we, one of the benefits of doing what we do is we do have flexibility um, and we also have the opportunity to choose who we work with and who we don't, which, right. is, which is really lovely. What's happening in the workplace it seems to be happening to a lot of people who are, are leaving to set up their own small businesses to have that mm-hmm. flexibility. Yeah. So, and lose, and companies and organizations lose a lot of talent. They can maybe bring up, be able to bring them back in as consultants, but they lose mm-hmm. that talent. Mm-hmm. So what that suggests to me is the need for organizations to create these kinds of situations that like that you and I have, and we work very productively mm-hmm. in the time that we work mm-hmm. in the organization Mm-hmm. rather than lose people to um, out to the periphery. It's- yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, over the years, I've coached people who who left corporate culture and wanted to start their own business, you know, and um, I know I live in the Pacific Northwest where, you know, this is the headquarters of Microsoft and Amazon and Starbucks. And, you know, there those companies are, there are many good things about those companies. And there are also really hard things about working for those really big corporations. And, you know, um, and, you know, one person I coached, you know, worked for Microsoft for 27 years and, and he really wanted to leave and start his own business. But, you know, you do t- something for 27 years that pays yeah. you pretty well and it comes every month. And that feels super risky to leave it and then to to try to be you know um be responsible for all the all the things that it takes to to build a business and so I, it's interesting i haven't really thought about this before but it's interesting to look at like the great resignation and people who are wanting to start their own businesses and you were showing me a book about side hustles you know um like like is it won't it be interesting to see that if we have like we have livelihoods that are um more like a collage than you know like one single path and um yeah i don't know that that might not be the best you know metaphor there but um but i think it's really interesting and i think again i don't think we even know exactly how to talk about it yet which is why it's so cool that you do a show like this where we can talk about some of these things and and try to like sort out some ideas because you're on the edge of of the thought leadership of this chris and um and I, I think, you know, that's where we go, right? When we get curious and we, we are having these provocative discussions. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just, another thing that just, just came to me is, is people, people leave, um, but for many of them actually setting up your own business and going alone and being a, becoming a consultant or a coach, it's actually really hard to get going very hard yeah really hard it, it takes a lot of years actually to get get going and get moving and provide this sort of st- stability so there might be uh there might be a best of both worlds in that um that by you know companies adjusting the way that they think uh and and then enable their people to work there's an opportunity for maybe a bit more freedom and flexibility keeping keeping that talent in the company um versus losing them uh, and it being a bit harder for them too do, do, do you know what I mean it's it's yeah no like wouldn't it be interesting if a, if a company chose to be incredibly innovative by saying this what would it take to make our company welcome 
to the most creative, talented people. And what we were asking them is to willingly show up and participate in our mission in a way that works best for them too. Yeah. Like that's kind of revolutionary in a way. Yes. And, yeah. and, and I don't, you know, I mean, maybe there are some startups and small companies that could, you know, more easily experiment with something like that. I mean, I work with both like massive corporations, you know, with 28,000 employees and so on. And, and also little small, you know, um, nonprofit businesses that have, you know, 25 people who work for them. So, I mean, there are some things that are similar and there are some things that are very different, but, um, um, yeah, like how could we how could we create um, a, a work environment, a work culture that is um, that accomplishes you know what we want in a business in this in this world of commerce, um, but in a way also um, supports the longevity and creativity of of human beings. And I think the great resignation or you know people finally getting fed up with certain things and leaving. I actually really think it's, it's sort of, in a way, it's kind of like, I mean, I didn't have the great resignation when I took my camper van trip, but I was forced to re redesign my own business. But the better thing was, I was forced to look at my relationship to my livelihood. And I actually think that that's what every person really wants and needs is to have a really positive relationship to one's livelihood, a right relationship to it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if we, we probably talked about that before, but because when our work is just like a bad boyfriend or something, like, I mean, you know, put, put in the right example there, but you know, something you keep going back to and it's like unsatisfying and abusive, like, like yeah. who wants that? Who wants that in their lives? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I, I was not too long ago. I was talking to somebody who wanted to wanted to move um up in the organization because they wanted to earn more money and um uh, and but for me i was trying to, to to try and link that to a sense of purpose for them such that actually they 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 did that jo job with much more energy um because they felt engaged to it um and would step up and be the natural choice um rather than doing it for money do you know what i mean um absolutely you know, so it's, it's about the relationship isn't it uh, that you develop with your work and and I, and I know you're very purpose driven and so am I so I you know I, I, I love my work because every day it's about helping people realize more of their true potential whether it's companies mm -hmm. or individuals that's why I'm here and so I'm, I'm completely aligned uh, and I completely get why I work mm -hmm. I, and I also get where where I won't work um, mm -hmm. and that's nice I'm just looking at the time um, we've only got four minutes till we close that means you I know it always feels like yeah. we, we need to just so keep we, on, keep on so, going, right? So we need to do yeah. this somehow, don't we? Somow we need to do this, which leads uh, us on to. Okay. You have to have a, um, a beautiful poem called "Somehow." I'm going to let you. I'm let, let you finish with that, and then we'll ask for a final message, and we'll have to finish then. Okay, great. Well, I think that you know the way that I would just um, in, introduce this is that you know right now is the perfect time to notice that we are going to get all of the things that come in our lives and that we actually can show up to them in a way that we are completely able for them. Somehow I knew it would be like this. A few moments stolen before a vermilion sunset. A bottle of Barolo shared with a great friend, knowing it, it wasn't the loveless marriage I feared, but 
not to notice the late afternoon light, the curve of the waitress face, my own face softened by weeks in Tuscany, surrendering what's to come. There would be taxes, bills to pay, pigeons roosting on the roof. There would be dahlias blooming in the back garden and some plant that looks like an artichoke but isn't. There would be love and then there wouldn't. There would be the absurd chorus of power tools on a sunny Saturday and then delicate birdsong. All of it, all of it is mine, which is why I rise early in the pre-dawn before anyone or anything can tell me otherwise. And I look out over the rooftops, the mountains in the distance, pink with hope and honor. Let me be able for this. Whatever comes in, dark or light, I give myself up to the joy of every tiny thing. Wow, beautiful. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, beautiful. Ooh, um, Libby, do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with? Well, I think that, you know, the opportunity we have in front of us is, you know, about that grand adventure that we're on. And I think if we ask this one question of ourselves, we might find our way on that path or that uh, long expanse of highway, which is what's uniquely mine to do. Mm -hmm. We can't solve all the things, all the problems, but uniquely, there's something you, Chris, are doing. There's something I'm doing. What's uniquely mine to do? And I think that gives me hope and that gives me confidence um, about whatever's next thank you well what a what a brilliant uh, conversation you know it's been uh, pragmatic and practical but we've meandered as well which uh, <laughs> which we said we would do um uh, lots and lots to think about what is uniquely mine to do um what do i need to do if i'm a leader to think differently about the way we do things around here really um too um and uh, i love some of the points about ultimately what's the performance that we want and then there are many pathways to get to that performance uh, to, to consider right now. Uh, loads to think about. Um, uh, just wonderful to have you again on the show. It's been thank you so much, brilliant. Chris. It's always a pleasure. And thank you for that. There's wonderful readings and po poem at the end, and uh, always gets me reflecting. And I shall be up very early in the morning tomorrow to enjoy that. Um, <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. I, I Your garden is out there. Definitely. Um, so um, thank you, Libby. That's been brilliant. If you've got any questions, um, you've got any thoughts, you know, any feedback, do send them to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, and on next week's show, um, I've got Mark uh, Levy. Uh, Mark is an amazing marketeer. He's worked with some incredible people, Simon Sinek and people like that, and helped them with their, their kind of strategies. He's also a magician. Um, but interestingly, I was catching up with Mark. I've interviewed Mark, I think, a couple of times in the past. And I wanted to speak to him again and uh, get him on the show again. Um, but when he heard my story about my health journey, he was like, we've got to talk about that because we people right now need to keep their head when others are losing theirs. And uh, this is just a brilliant story he felt um, to share. So, so next week he will interview me around this, uh, this journey. And we've, we're just bouncing around. How can we help people who are going through challenges, issues, and maybe think differently and really see the uh, the gifts in those and what strategies um, did, for example, I use after 
having had uh, two major surgeries this year to get myself back motivated and energized and, and moving forward. Um, so there'll be lots next week. Mark is brilliant. I'm really looking forward to the interview. And, uh, and once again, Libby, you were brilliant too today. And um, thank you. And I hope we get thank you Thank you so much. Thank soon. you so much for having me, Chris. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.